Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Peace, family. This is 19 Keys tapping in with 19 Keys Podcast. Listen to this special broadcast from Dubai as I tap into a live with my good brother, Blue Pillar 44. Tap in. Possess an idea about Dubai that it is the leader of tomorrow. You understand me? And they compete with the rest of the world in one thing that I learned out here is that, you know, they don't use none of any money that's connected to oil or anything to run this country. All of their money that they get to run and build this country is based off the people that come to this country, right? So every single dollar is based on the consumers that travel here. So they create an experience because that's what they want you to do. Enjoy yourself and spend money, right? So... They create a dependent system to make sure that you have the greatest experience when you come here. And because it's so hyper-competitive, everybody's trying to be nicer than the next person to make sure you have a good experience. And it's like a a content world. They want you to take pictures. They want you to stop. They want you to enjoy it for a moment. You know, they they built so much here, and they right now they're ciphering a, a brain trust. So if you're the best in your field at something, they will come, they will pay you to come here and do whatever you're good at. They'll pay you millions of dollars, right? And, you know, it's, right. it's, it's amazing. It's, it's almost like being in one big social experiment, but you get to see what the ideas of competing countries have to do in the future, especially as things advance. And Dubai has just decided that it will be one of the leaders in that advancement, right? Because they have a, a king here, the Sheikh Mohammed Ibn, right? Um... And it's really his vision that leads Dubai, right? And, you know, he owns everything, right? And he's very, you know, that's just that's just known. I own everything, right? In America... Oh, so it's a monarch, right? Yeah. In America, it's not as known that you own everything. They had a, a system before that, you know, if you wanted a business out here, one of the Emirates out here had to own 51% of your business, and you own 49%. And even if they did nothing, they still got paid. So you so you had all of these people that was just they did nothing at all collecting checks from multiple businesses because they were of Emirates and that was the only way you could own a business. Yeah. You know, yo, now, that's better than the mob had it, guys. Yo, damn, you know, now they changed it because <laughs> the mob just wanted ten percent. No, they say fifty fifty one mean they own your business, number one. They're not just partners. <laughs> you understand me? Um and, 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 you know, number one, I, I, I enjoy it, to be honest, because I think that you have to escape reality and get to a place of, you know, what would the future look like if we were building our own world, right? And when right. I come to a place like this, you almost get to imagine a glimpse of heaven, right? As artificial as it may be, as, as constructed as it may be for you, right? But it's still an idea of beauty, right, all around you for the human experience. And I think that everybody needs to experience a place like this, whether it's this or not, but a place like this to envision what we need to build for ourselves, right? You know, when we talk about building in nature and the way that they built this city, I mean, it's it's just amazing um, in every aspect of it, right? is very embracing the technology of now, building crypto cities, uh, blockchain, right, AI smart contracts, everything um, that has to do with technological advancements, right, and embracing, right, human ingenuity and innovativeness and creating a place that is like they built an artificial island that is existing like Atlantis, right, building on top of, in a desert, creating an island, Right, spending the money to create whatever the mind can imagine in art. So, with with so much technological advances and consumerism going on, where does Islam fit into the fold um, in Dubai? So, you know, theirs is based off uh, Sharia law, 
right? So a lot of the things, and, and here's the thing, but because it's completely based on tourism, right? I believe that, you know, laws change to fit, right, the standards of the people so they can continue to have a good experience. Um, and, you know, you see it, it's like uh, any Middle Eastern, you know, country, essentially from my perspective, um, the Sharia laws, you know, you want the modesty, the not too much possession of um, uh, affection in public and, you know, a lot of different laws that, you know, may be very regular and standard in America are illegal out here, right? And crime, they're trying to zero out crime completely and create a place to where, you know, people can feel like they're safe. Does poverty and a multitude of other different things exist? Yes. Um, and poverty. Yeah. You know, you know, one thing that it's illegal to talk about the government out here. So, you know what I'm saying? I ain't, I ain't trying to go deep right. into the yeah. political realm. But, um, you know, I haven't got deep into the politics period anyway, because I've been busy building with my African brothers out here. Right. Um, and I, I would just say there's a lot of the stuff that you hear about it. You know, those are just rumors and gossip. Like, you come out here and experience for yourself and you realize there are more freedoms, right? And, it's of course, every hotel you go to essentially probably have a prayer room for you. There's beautiful mosques, you understand me? And there um, is definitely, you know, Islamic law and structure that the foundation of these rules were built. Um, and, you know, it, it feels good, to be honest. You know what I mean? You know, when you get to a city and you can feel the energy of it, it feels elated, Energy, you yeah. understand me? It, it feels like they upliftment, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, Islam is a way of life that right. that works to create heaven on earth, right? And I think that, you know, regardless of what their politics may be, I think what they're trying to do is to create a heaven on earth that competes with any other place on earth. Now, before you left there, you were... Um building extensively on infinite wealth strategies, um, being in a place like that, that is the- Oh, I'm still here. Of what? Hmm? I'm still here. No, I understand that. I'm oh. saying being there, you know, in a place that epitomizes wealth, how has that advanced your narrative? Like, what have you been able to extract uh, from being, you know what I'm saying? In that edifice, in, in, in that place, like, how has that helped your- your strategies yeah no that's a great question global business is a must you know um this trip more than any other trip you know i think just really opened my mind up to the necessity of us having to do business globally and global business globally. is when you have physical presence in a place international business is like me shipping out to different places right but global business and presence is necessary because you know, it's like I could get an office out here in Dubai and set up shop, right, and create business and do international affairs with different people that come in and out. And so now it's getting me in the mindset of understanding, like, you know, the world is very small, right? What's a quick 12-hour trip to a place that you can stay, right, to where you may be paying 2000 a month, maybe, you understand me? Uh, it has competitive prices with Atlanta or New York or, right, L.A., and, you don't even realize that you have so many opportunities that are open for you that we're not utilizing because we're doing business only in our geographical surveys, right? In our jurisdictions. And so we have to, the, the expansiveness is that even if I want to do an event, like maybe my next event is unveiling a product out here in Dubai where they're more blockchain and crypto friendly and understanding, right? Rather than localizing it in my areas. And what that allows as well is when you have these corners of global commerce, right, then you're tapping into different sources around the world, right? And so I know that my mission is to do global business, right? And that's what I'm doing, literally. <laughs> and it's like, this is a, a, a meeting ground, essentially, right? Where people from all different walks of life are coming, billionaires, millionaires, right? And a lot of the problems that we tend to want to solve in America, we have to go globally to get the solutions, to get the partners, right. to get the networks, to build the infrastructure. And our skills, talents, and gifts that 
exists within us, right, can be utilized in advance when we go around other people because, you know, maybe we've maximized our value in America when it comes to certain gifts and talents, right? And then once we maximize and we try to bring with other people, then we do that, we maximize that to a certain extent because I think that the way uh, our people are going to have to move forward is that we outsource our strategies to bring solutions for each other. But I think it's like we're one big family trying to work out our problems around each other. And it's like, no, we need to go to far lands, get a different mindset, get different business partners, then come back. And so I think we, as people, black people in America, need to outsource and, and travel and go global and build around the world. And that's the only way we're going to see true um, progress in heaven on this earth. I just don't think it's going to exist with us fighting in America for what happened in America. In America, right. You got to, um, you know asymmetrically if you approach it from a different angle from outside you know what i mean you you really never know who you can partner with who you can get help from mm-hmm. or which you can extract in terms of you know your cultural exposures to be like damn maybe sitting at the table as a group and eating together with our hands you feel me right maybe that might take this level of pettiness away from the people it may you know what i'm saying like there's just different things that bring different levels of trust that traditionally, you know, societies have done because they work. Right. You feel me? And and, and we like, have to go you know, see, not, not to cut your wisdom, but we for everything that we talk, and I mean everything about every single country that we know, we have to go see it for ourselves. That's just the fact. Don't, like, whatever conceptions that you, you have about countries their cultures the crime rates right things that you've heard just throw them away right a lot of the things that exist in our minds are only none of the things that benefits us for expansion right they detriment so that they cause fear and they don't allow us to continue to grow and move forward i face like when i think about the amount of envy and jealousy and 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 the small mindedness that I deal with in America, you know, trying to work with, oh, right? Oh, brother, you know, it's a, you know, it's just, you know, that come with the territory, brother. You see how fly these glasses is, man? Somebody got to hate them. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, Yo, I'm going to share a story with you when you finish here. But, but, you know, um, that's something that I expect, you know, because at the end of the day, you just have to realize we're too close to each other. Right? We're too close to each other and we appreciate each other more when we go further. You understand me? Like somebody that may been hating on me in America might looking at me in Dubai like, damn, I ain't gonna lie, I like that though. You understand me? I gave them room for they hate and they they hate didn't reach over here. My, (laughs) My world got transformed and changed when I went to the UK. Yeah. Right? Cause I had never experienced that amount of love and it was genuine and the shit over here be felonious it's like you really don't understand what it's about so you really go other places and those people who don't right you know it's that like you said proximity oh i i know how to get at you know i see this thing all you know what i'm saying like right. people don't realize what they have in a in a presence and you know they spend a lot of time attempting to figure out how they can get around something rather than engage it yeah, and it's like, damn, bro. But but right. imagine the feeling of, you know, uh, feeling distant, and it's like me now looking at everything that's happening in America and across. And one thing I want to say is that this Juneteenth has probably been the most advanced Juneteenth I've seen. When I talk about the success that I see black men and women having and the type of events that they're throwing, I mean, bro, we got to take a bro, second to. They were spinning. <laughs> It was spending a lot of, you know what I'm saying? Currency was being exchanged this strong. And, like, they show mega love in Kentucky. And and when I got back to the A, every vendor was popping at the festival. Like, yeah. There was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of commerce. And Europeans even came to that park and was breaking bread, buying stuff up, you know, for what it's worth. Um, 
yeah, it's, it's things are changing. You feel me? And it's, it's very important. It's imperative to have a global outlook and bring something to our people that's renewed. Um, I was speaking to a, a, a young brother the other day. And again, I had put something up and somebody got in their feelings about, you know, oh, you know, your brothers are not being African enough. And I said, look, I've spent 40 something years mastering being an American because this is the territory that I'm engaged in and I'm involved with. Right. This is a this is a, a terrain. This is something that, you know, you can't fall back on and just go to sleep. I'm like, bro, I only know this. If I want to know that, I got to go there and immerse myself in that environment so I could become that. I'm not going to learn it from a book. Yeah. I can't learn it from a DVD. And even if it's in my DNA, I got to activate the DNA that keeps my head on the swivel to make sure that I survive this thing. This thing is engaging. Plus, it's not our value. They're swinging scimitars out here every day. Bruh. Trying to chop heads off. I'm like, bro. You are, listen, we are not valuable if we be if we act like Africans to the rest of the world, because the world already has a continent full of Africans, right? But when we are Native Americans, when we are original people, when we are true to you know our experience and who we are and our perspective and our our culture or lack thereof, that's when we have a value to the rest of the world. Right, but for us to put on a daishiki and to recite the netta lecture and to act as if we know but not to possess the experience, that doesn't make us valuable to nobody else. You get around them and they, oh, you just acting like me. You're imitating. You're just <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just fronting. What about what you, you, you go through? And they like you got that kente on with that on and that don't match, and then you look silly when you was just trying to be African. And you didn't understand the distinctions that come along with that. And it's like, yo, be who you are, right? Because then when we went to UK and you went to Africa, the Africans was like, yo, I learned how to be more African yeah. by watching you brothers. Facts. That's our value we to the world. We were to be quote-unquote African in our disposition. We was incorporating the fact that we God, so we everything, right? And you're going to get a little bit of this, you're going to get a little bit of that. But you have to get it in our own cultural expression because this is who we are, what we know. We're right. being genuine. Right. And we got to be true to ourselves. So, like, if, if you discount um, everything that makes us who we are and, and, and what makes us who we are is, is the experience that we go through, the perspectives that we have, the visions that we have, the creative essence that we possess. There's, I, you know, there was a lady that told me today, she stopped and she was in awe. She was mesmerized. She was. She said, she was from Nippon, and she said, I've never seen nobody like you before. You understand me? She was like, you're gorgeous, right? And but she said it in the awe, and that's how they all stare and look like, like, yo, you guys are it. You understand me? But only when you know right. thyself, because I'm sure she's seen other. You know, men from America before, but to see a man adorned in the symbolisms that he knows who he is, that he carries himself, that he that he walks in a certain essence and energy as he moves and control the room, that's our value. I wasn't trying to be like no one else. And so when you see an original man, you're forced to recognize that original man. And so any one of us, and, and, and that's that's the issue is that a lot of brothers they failed to tap into their original essence, so they tried to mimic everyone else, right? And then they mm -hmm. mad that you tapped in and you're comfortable in your original essence, right? And so they like, no, come be like me. It's like, no, I'm not going to copy you because you didn't know that you were original. You understand me? And you became a copy of originals. That's not how we do. So the, right. the, the, the beautiful nature that we have is, as men, especially those who you know, build industry and business and skill sets and have knowledge of self, once you go into the world, you are the most valuable asset that was ever produced, right? Yeah. I I would dare say that my perspective is one of the greatest perspectives on the history of the world, the way that I take, you know, information and conceptualize it and give it to the masses and create a value out of it that's universal. And I would not know that if I didn't travel the world and I didn't increase in my perspective. 
if I hid my mind because I was tired of everyone thinking differently and I assimilated myself, then I would not have a value to the world. And so everybody needs to learn how to tap inward to themselves, not outward to everyone else. Right. You know, um, and like Malcolm said, you know what I mean? When he traveled, when he traveled abroad, you know what I mean? And he was like, whoa. And like the jazz musicians, when they traveled overseas, anybody who has been experiencing, you know, a level of oppression or, you know, having certain levels of self-identity, when they got out of this country and they got other places, they were able to see themselves. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And let me qualify well, what we said when I said that we met Africans that told us that because of us they became more African. Is that in, in our quest for knowledge of self, you know, we have tapped into a myriad of information, a knowledge base that the quote unquote typical African doesn't have access to. They don't know about Kemet. They don't know about them ancient, you know what I'm saying, information. They don't they can't tie together you know, Dogon history with X, Y, and Z, like, that's not how they're thinking, you feel me? That's and they're not fact. necessarily on their Sankofa. They're not looking back to go forward. They're dealing with what's right in front of them. So it's a novelty to be able to come across this information and to learn something new, and they're thankful for that. Their appreciation level is totally different, though, than what you counter in, in the Americas. Let me share this real quick story. So on Saturday... We had an after event in Kentucky, right? So it was me, my brother, um, brother Ben, and the brother Jake Taylor came out, right? So we was at a venue, and um, the 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 presenter he presented us, and his in his observation or his you know titling, he was like, "Man, these brothers are scholars." So this elder gets up, right? I want to know what make you niggas scholars, right? <laughs> I, I fought for my country. I've been in this community for 30 years. You know what I'm saying? I've, 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 I've raised money. I've done this. I've done that. You know, but I got beat out of my money. You know, the community don't receive me a particular way, you know. And he was just being very angry, right? He was literally trying to come at us. And each one of us dealt with it diplomatically. And explained to him, he's like, first of all, that's not what we called ourselves. That's what bro called us. But this might, I'm going to give you an idea of why he might perceive it as such. You feel me? And when we finished explaining our narrative to him, he wanted to get up and leave. Because he's like, oh, I'm not welcome here. And we wouldn't allow him to leave. He's like, bro, you're going to sit down and get this work Mm -hmm. with this love. And then after that, he started revealing the fact that he was abused as a child, right? And he went to the army. The white man gave him a rifle, right? And allowed him to go and take his pain out on other people to look like him around the world. And then he came home with that same pain. So he needed a hug. He needed to be loved on because he was a 60-something-year-old man who no one ever told, yo, you got the ability, yo, forgive yourself. You know what I'm saying? And forget the other people who, you know, did whatever to you. Then he was telling them, you know, it was brothers that looked just like you that did something to me. He was speaking to to Ben X, you know, talking about NOI, people from the nation, because he's a Christian. And he said that they tried to jump him before. He was just going off. You <laughs> yeah. feel me? But I said, look, this brother represents the prototypical elder mindset of the individuals who have still been holding grudges for 30, 40, 50 years and have not given the younger generation a chance even to hear what we about or what we got to say because you're still holding on to beef, you know, during Malcolm time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, bro, you're missing the whole point. Mm-hmm. You feel me? They, they, they dead and frozen in emotions. Hmm? They become dead and frozen... They become dead and frozen in emotions. And dangerous. Yeah. And, and and so, you know, I typically, you know, stay away from that type of energy just because of the way I navigate my circumstances. You know, Elijah, just, he, he just moves me away from those typical energies. You understand me? And I, I've learned to uh, that, 
we have a whole world of people that are unhealed, that are burdened, you understand me, that are broken, um, that are diseased, that are mentally, you know, slaves. And we have two options as healers. We can become addicted to trying to heal everyone, right? Or we can create environments, right, that stimulate healing and that allow people to be free from those things that burden them. And what I mean by that is that we have people who live their entire lives working and trying to help people, but they never feel like they make enough or a very effective measurement of change. You understand me? And so they go their whole lives putting in what we call the work, but never being effective enough to move the needle, right? And then you see other people that look at that and say, that's not the life I want for me because that very person that's helping everybody else is depressed and broke, right? And lost and, and don't really have hope when they go home by themselves. And the only measurement of happiness that they get is the feeling and the fact that they helping others, right? And then you got this generation that observes that and says that I don't want to live a life to where I'm sacrificing to try to assist other people who I never fully recover or fully heal, but I get to dedicate myself to a feeling of what makes me feel useful, right? Instead, I wanna be so effective in what I do that I'm producing an opportunity for people to be able to heal themselves and for me to live at the greatest height, right, of my own life, right? And then this to be a, 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 a efficient way for me to affect more and more people by inspiring people to heal themselves, right? Because every one of our lives is so precious that none of us are supposed to sacrifice for one another, right? Because what makes your life less precious than another that you give it for another life if they have of equal value, right? But sometimes we exploit ourselves because of our own traumas that are unhealed. And because the one measurement of value is that we find a semblance of, you know, uh, fulfillment when we help others, that becomes the way we live our whole lives. The healers are sometimes so unhealed that the only time they feel good is when they're helping other people. You understand me? But never turn to truly help themselves, right? And so that's not a real life that is fulfilled because you never get to explore life beyond your own hurt and pain that you never healed yourself. And so there's a lot of work that has to be looked at and it has to be untangled and unwrangled because I see so many healers that are unhealed, right? And don't live a life to where they produce wealth, they produce happiness, their offspring are often criminals or in jail. And it's like, who, who's not observing this world that's being created around these people that's supposed to be helping others? Why is the effect that their family is bad and, and they're not living the right way? <laughs> when we're doing good, we're supposed to produce good in all aspects of life. That's how we know it's good. By the effect it has, not just on some people or the attempt, right? But the true reality that it produces. So we have to re-examine how we go about it and, and not try to pressure the next generation to look like revolutionaries, but not produce the change that a revolution is supposed to produce. drink it <laughs> <laughs> not to drink <laughs> you know it's it, it just I just want to see our people really get to the issues and the solutions like we have so much brilliance man I, I you know sometimes I could have these conversations and I could drop a tear because I a lot of times I, I mask myself from like three layers that if I really let myself stop and feel it all, a wave of emotions comes over me, right? Because that's the passion and the intensity of which I move about this world. Like I always have to consistently move and then I have to realize like, you know, don't always move because you're running from something. Move because you're making progress. And there's a difference, right? And so you have to stop and know that, oh, I'm moving like a shark because I have this vision but don't distract yourself, right, from, like, healing yourself. Don't distract yourself from 
finding real peace because you don't want to hear that you need to slow down, you need to stop, you need to pause, you need to be in the moment, you need to recharge. And sometimes we try to maintain so busy because the real work that we do feels too responsible. It requires too much of us, right? And there's no reward given for the work that we do within. So we like to do more work outside so more people can recognize it and, and show us things and say, hey, you're doing great. But if you spent the month working on yourself, people will feel like, oh, you lazy. You took some time off. Like, what happened? You oh, fell oh, off. Yeah, you fell off. <laughs> like, you, know, you disappeared. He's yeah. like, I'm doing the work, though. And <clears throat> there's no reward for that. Nah, there, there, there's no reward you know for the war within. You understand so me? You think that people are, are getting into the so-called work just for self-gratification? I mean, for not self-gratification, but for gratification purposes to give them a level of quote-unquote purpose yes I, I i see it often too much you and a lot of times you can tell by how passionate people are right it's not that you and, and what i mean by that is that you know we are supposed to be connected to you know life in all forms and have the greatest form of empathy human beings and empathy is what gives us our righteousness right but sometimes when I see it and I see a person crying for another, I really see them crying for themselves. You understand me? But they're masking this moment as an opportunity to release emotions. You understand me? Without dealing with the real reason that they're out here, that they're so driven. It's like seeing somebody that's constantly in the street fighting because their kid was murdered. And they never got over that. So this is their way of masking and, and, and the grieving process was a frozen emotion that consistently pushes them to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over, right? And so, mm -hmm. because we had the, it, it's so stagnant, and this is how you can tell, the emotion creates the same triggering process and the same people that go through the same processes of grief, right? And, a, and the same lack of healing. And if we've seen progress, then that's how we can tell, oh, you're doing it for the right reasons because your mind is in it as well, right? When a person can take themselves out of it, they can see it from a bird's eye view in a different way. They take their emotions out of it and then they can move correctly to say, actually, hmm, that's not how we strategically get this done, right? We can go yell, we can go boycott, we can go fight and do all of these things, but let's take a step back strategically. If I really want change, and let me put my mind here, right? And let's put some mathematical equation and formula to this, right? And so for me, I like to step back like, Man, I can't overindulge in death because it doesn't allow me to think correctly in life, right? If I'm stuck watching videos on this person died, this person died, I'm gaslighting and triggering other people, right? And I catch myself back into the same motion. And we know so many people have done that for how many years. But how many times have they stopped and created a whole new blueprint on how we address this problem, right? They're stuck in a cycle the same way the system is in a cycle. So the system produces yeah. victims, and then it produces these victims to become heroes, and these people go through the same cycle of, okay, it's almost like a, a process. Hey, here's trauma, here's victimhood, here's another hero opportunity, here's you to go protest, here's the system again doing the same thing, projecting and producing repeat, the same people. Right. It's step and repeat over and over and over. Then it's like, whoa, the system is working and every time somebody dies, it's going to trigger somebody who's emotional and they're going to activate, they're going to move. It's the same actors with different names in a different era through a different time over and over. And the person that has a different perspective and a different way of going about it, they're often castigated as the enemy, right? Because they don't want to look like and operate as the standard revolutionary, right? Because they really want to be revolutionary, right? Revolutionary is not going with the standard of what it looks like, right, to to, to to produce change. It's producing change in, in any manner, in effective way that it can be uh, uh, applied. So it's like what we do and what I do, I'm, I'm going to, all right, how do we produce it with technology? I'm looking at we are immature people. We, we can look at the wealth gap. We know that that's connected to criminality. We looking at the process of America's laws. We looking at the creation of new technology. We looking at the new access economy that we have. And we looking at the global affairs, the attention we possess and the powers that we now have. How do we cipher this into a formula 
to where every single problem that we've had can now be solved, right, with technological solutions, right? And technology sounds boring to people. Oh, that ain't revolutionary. Oh, no. You know what I mean? I want to go do it the hoorah way because that's something I can do right now that makes me feel like I'm doing something. But that's not what the next generation are going to benefit from. I'm never, I don't benefit from the picket signs in the streets. You understand me? I benefit from the advancements in technology and the access. I benefit from people laying down the footwork to produce wealth that I can inherit, whether it's knowledge or whether it's, it's, it's material assets or commodities or whatever it may be. Like, those are the things we evolve upon, the ideas, the concepts, the assets that are here for us. I benefited from Elijah Muhammad, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad building infrastructure and me being able to learn and tap into that and saying that this is something that I can work upon, these models that were given to us to think and to move and these goals that were given to us for freedom, justice, and equality. Like, pulling resources can now be a, a AI smart contract, right? The concept remains the same, but the technology to produce the solution has changed. I'm not going to go out and do it the way he did it in the 50s and 60s. I would be a damn fool, right? But the concept was, was so spot on that you don't need to change that. But there's some people that say, no, y'all not doing it how the messenger did it. No, we not, right? right. But we doing what the messenger wanted us to do, which is producing these solutions in a way effective thinkers and doers and executors are supposed to do in today's time. <laughs> you know, it's six in the morning over yeah. here. I'm, I'm just well, getting I, up. You know, Pierce made me to follow this stuff. I'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> what is six in the morning over there, bro? Yes, sir. You woke up like this? I didn't go to sleep. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's, it's, there's so much to do, man. I, I I keep saying it's infinite wealth. We just got to have a strategy to get it. Oh, you been it. on that gold water, okay. Yeah. You been on that gold water. Man, that's what, that, that's what that gold do, man. Gold-minded, man. Yeah, that's my monster walking. How can you be in a world where somebody's... I'm, I'm literally in a country where a man is building his own world. How can I not think of building my own? You understand me? Like, how can I not filter this experience? to think about how we can improve our own experiences on this planet, you know, and if, and if people allow themselves to be led and to listen and, and submit to their higher selves, you know, we can all produce something monumentally different, but I want people to break the patterns. You understand me? It's the patterns that kill us. And once we break the pattern, we find ourselves putting things in the algorithm that changes the output. You understand me? But the al the algorithm is so used to everything that we're doing, it's, it predicts us. All our behaviors, right. our thoughts, our ideas. Right. That, that person that will never leave their hood, you understand me? That's predictable. That person that is uh, wants to remain, you understand me, unconscious to the solutions, right? They never become harmful. They never become a threat to the system, right? So they must remain as they are. But imagine if we just did unpredictable things. This world would change. But our people are everything, you understand me, but unpredictable, right? Every holiday, every year, we can consistently see what we're going to do, how we're going to react, because they have crowd control. You understand? Because we are crowd-minded. And when we decide to say, you know what? How about, you know, we react differently. I once suggested that, you know, imagine if every time, you know, a, a, a person got killed in America, instead of we go boycott, we, we boycott. It, 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 it creates this new economic behavior that we now go overindulge in buying black things. And it, that right. would drive the rest of the world crazy. Like, I don't think I like the reaction that this now has. You understand me? And at first they'd think right. about they it like... To, right. It forces them to reevaluate and they have to run entirely different metrics because now they're going to scale to be like, what would this look like? It's no, we got to stop this. Yeah. Stop killing. Right. Yes. They're going to put a moratorium on that behavior because they can gauge what the outcome will be economically in the future. And they're like, that's not going to be to our benefit. So if we're not willing to do something that's going to break the mold and shift the paradigm, 
and we wasting our time. They would it would it would drive the world crazy. It would drive at first they would they wouldn't know what to do. They'd think about it like I don't think I like the idea of if we murder one of them, they go spin with each other more. Like this it creates this hyper spending habits to where they start circulating more power because it literally means that our activities drive good economic behavior. You understand me? And so that's the opposite of what they've always wanted to do, right? That if if if, if tragedy truly brought us close together for long term sake, oh my God, they would have to find a completely different way of going about it, right? And and it would allow us to break our pattern and our habits, and that would change the world. You know indeed, what I'm saying? Indeed. So you know, in regards of change, you know what I'm saying? When you get back, like. Where would you recommend, you know, because you got an academy, you have a, a captive audience that you can definitely speak to, you know, where, where does it start? Oh, man, number one, it starts with education. You understand me? I believe that education more than ever right now is the most important thing for us to focus on. We all have a lot to learn in areas that we don't want to learn. And that's the most important. It's the areas that actually that part that's boring i don't want to learn that and the reason why is because our brains become so plastic and when we don't want to learn we are only in survival mode you understand me and our brains is only using those neural pathways that it's used to to operate on and unless we learn and completely start to rewire our brains there's nothing that can be done with the generation before you understand me and so everybody in the generation before and that and, and I definitely do believe that, you know, mindfulness and technology have to be two components that we tap into. Family order is the most important order of the day. If we can literally sit down with our families, right, and give them a plot plan and projection of what us coming together and organizing ourselves as a business would look for us, and there has to be somebody who takes the helm of that to say, you know what, all right. We've been operating. Some of us have been doing good. Y'all see what I've been doing over here. Here's the plan for it. I'm not going to wait on y'all. You understand me? But here's the plan that I have here. I'm going to hire you for this role. I'm going to hire you for this role. We're going to set up our businesses. I have the trust set up already. This trust is going to automatically send out funds if everybody plays their role and this business is operating. This is the way that our family is going to benefit for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years, right? And we literally organize that the same way a company or organization does. I'm not expecting every single family on here to do it. But if there's 10 families, then that's 10 more families that other 10 families can work with, right? And the thing about it is, is how many houses can we create? Like, I got the house of keys, right? The house of pills, right? How many houses can we create that works together with each other? You understand me? And, and so that's why we don't need everybody because one family can represent generations of rulership, right? And so those who have the ability, and, and by family, listen, you can adopt people into your trust that's not blood for you. You understand me? And so you have to understand that who are those two to three people that I can work with that will take this plan and that will believe in me and I will treat like family and we will have our, our family goals, our family mission, our family values, Right, we will set up our trust in our estate. We will have our business plan. We will have our operators mandate on how we're going to move forward. But we also have to make sure that we have a spiritual manual for how we're going to move, agree to those values. We all have to learn in different segments so that we can bring a different set of value to the table. One person must know the crypto. One person must understand the market. One person must understand the blockchain. One person must understand the land development and real estate. One person must understand the laws when it comes to the remedy and the correction of status and a multitude of other different things. And we take our checklist and that's where we operate from. And if you don't feel like you're at that place ready, spend time on self-development, right? And mindfulness, because the mindfulness will allow you to spend time creating the vision, right, and the plan. But a lot of us need to start at this place, particularly is where the little boy and the little girl was hurt, right? That's a mission for every single person. Start with a little boy and a little girl was hurt. And I mean that little boy and you or that little girl and you. 
right? Because we have a lot of grown males in bodies, but boys that are unhealed operating because their body was forced to grow where their heart and their mind and their emotions are still immature and frozen where they were left at, right? And so if you can't do those things, you have to start with that. And even if you don't even feel like you you have the issue, you feel like you, you don't feel like you have that problem, check yourself again, right? Check yourself again because when you get to that place of arrogance to where you feel like, nope, I've done that, that's when you really need to do more work because you're not even open to it anymore, right? And so you can be naive to your own pain, right? And covering it up with your work. So you have to start with that little boy and that little girl inside you and work to grow that little boy and that little girl to become grown in all areas of life. And that's what we're gonna focus on in the Infinite Wealth Strategies and that's why Kalima and Pops and Bashir and my mother are gonna be helping me facilitate this process over the next eight to nine weeks. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, when can they look forward? When is the next upcoming Infinite Wealth Strategy class? How can they tap into that? If the people online is not BWO members, you know, what's going on with that? So for this one, um, it's not yet in the BWO, so you can text my number, uh, Infinite, to 323-577-6692. Um, of course, it comes with, you know... Um, Hold on, repeat it again. Uh, 323-577-6692. And that one right now is only 444, and that's for nine weeks. So I just extended a week because of Dubai threw me off. Um, and so uh -huh. yesterday I spent all day uploading coursework. You understand me? And of course, these are going to be live, but you're going to have access to a vault and access to a lot of pre-recorded things we are we started off with tokenomics learning how to learn um and we're going to go into status correction and then we're going to go into um um the aces test i had all of the students take the aces test right and we're going to go over that and what that means and that's adverse childhood experiences and a lot of people don't realize is that from a neuropsychological level from a metaphysical level, uh, some of the things that you're trying to heal from are not physical, right? They have nothing to do with your obtaining a new skill set. You're still going to be blocked in life. You can, I mean, you can gain the best, you can have the best teacher in the world teaching you the greatest money information, but it just don't work for you. And that's because there are some things beyond the physical. You understand me? That we have to work out of us. You understand me? And physics allows us to be able to see the reality of the non-physical world right and physics is like one of the most complete sciences right that is fact-based based on experiment experiments and so once we are able to get that off of us the things that we learn can now flow you understand me it's like you it's like you're learning in a room everybody you get all of the information in the world right but <laughs> you're stuck in that room so you can't take that information and do anything with it, right? And that door that's locked, that's the emotional boundaries, that's the, 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 the hurt and the pain and the things that you hold on to and so many things. It's like, damn, I'm learning, but it, I don't feel my situation changing. I haven't advanced. Why, why, why? And that person has more healed than you with less skills, they will go further than that person that's hurt with more skills because you're going to block yourself. So... There's so much healing we have to do fact. before the skilling. You understand me? Healing before the skills. Heals and skills. You know what I'm talking about? So well, that's why we're going to focus on the full development. And I want everybody to be patient with this process because I gave tokenomics and I gave a full rundown, like a rundown I've never done because I've been ciphering information from all over. Um, and the way that I address tokenomics is not the same the way no one addressed tokenomics. And, I'm going to make sure that that word is burned into the algorithm to where you're going to start hearing it, it becomes normal. But y'all know 19 Keys put that out there. Yes, indeed. You know, as always, brother, I appreciate you. I thank you for the um, insight, the information, and the energy that you brought to this live. I definitely want to save this so we can upload this, you know, and, um, have people tap in and benefit from this immense uh, knowledge, you know, this pool yeah. of knowledge. You know, you, you started me? off with Mother Tanetta, and Mother yeah. Tanetta is one of my favorite uh, feminine divine 
healers okay. and yeah. beings, you know what I mean, on this planet. Um, <laughs> she 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 yeah. has guided me. I need me. more people to know about. Uh, yeah, you know. she she's guided me to different worlds and portals, and I have so many writings that most people you know don't know about. And what I was explaining is, I have to get this course out because I have to be able to throw everything I know about marketing and and branding and 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 global networking and thought leadership and every aspect that I've used to produce myself into this point, it has to be putting in a place to where people can learn. Then I can go to my literature and I can take all of the stuff that I've gotten written and I can put my books out because that's where the real legacy begins. I, I have too much written that the world needs. And I was sharing that uh, with Bree the other day and it just reminded me like that version of myself that spent that time creating that is different than the version of myself now because i was so deep into yeah, the shadow right. work i was so deep into the dimensions that i was creating things to really heal the world and really enlighten the world and and and, and now it's, it's a different type of work today so i got to go back and give those keys so I, before i can move forward on what my mission is but study Mother Tynetta. We got under a minute left. Study the right. tenth system. Yeah, study Mother Tynetta family. Get you some gold water. T-Y-N-E-T-T-A. All right? And tap into gold water. We have an amazing opportunity, a solstice celebration sale going on right now. So get involved, y'all. Protect yourself. Prioritize your health. Peace, love, and light. To the next time. Peace, family. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.